Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs or on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So that being said, let's get right to it. I have Elena Vaughn of Triple Crown Bakery out of Franklin, Tennessee with us today. How are you doing today, Elena? I am great. It's a beautiful day here. Oh, that's awesome. I'm up still up north, so I haven't made it back to Nashville yet, but I'm excited for warmer weather for sure. Um, yeah. Though I can't complain, I was also in Los Angeles so oh, and Denver, yeah. which was nice while I was in both places. So let's oh, talk so about your story. Um, like, how did you end up in, with a bakery, like your entrepreneurial journey? Like, what was your childhood entrepreneurial, I guess, start from the beginning? Yeah, Um no, my childhood was not entrepreneurial. I grew up in um, south of L.A. So I, growing up in Orange County, California, it was a pretty, you know, middle class um, childhood. Um, I did have some family members in the entertainment business. Um, so that kind of was, you know, very shiny to me. And I thought I wanted to go in the tv or movie business so i went to college and did an internship at nbc and um kind of thought that was my direction but um i don't know i just i had one summer of epiphany and i decided to do something really creative um something more my own and i had spent a summer kind of finding myself on a dude ranch up in the mountains of san diego and fell in love with horses and kind of didn't want to go back to the business major that I had at San Diego State. So I called my parents and I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to go back to school. That's not me. And they said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I think I want to cook. And they said, well, then go cook. I said, well, I didn't know that that was even an option. Like back then it was kind of the beginning of the Food Network and celebrity chef so it wasn't exactly the norm like it is today um so i just i dived in and i went to school at the california culinary academy up in san francisco um and you know fell in love with it i went from you know kind of doing mediocre at san diego state to being on the dean's list at culinary school so it's obviously something i loved and something i succeeded at and um just went from there and worked in hotels and restaurants and fell in love with it. All right. So, so did this start, I mean, how did you end up in Tennessee um, and why baking? Because you, you talked about cooking and going to culinary school, but you've, you've ended up in baking uh, specifically, at least right now is my understanding. Maybe there's more to it, but we're talking about triple crown bakery. So, like talk yeah. about that. Talk about like so, this journey as an entrepreneur. Like you, you going from school and starting your own business are two very different things because you sort of ended up being an entrepreneur and uh, baker, for lack of a better term, right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I was just progressive. Like you never. I that's always the dream, right? I, like when I went to school, I did fall in love with baking, and I do have two grandmothers, one Jewish and one Swedish. Um, both of them very into baking and um, they kind of wore off on me. So I decided that baking was my route. 
I didn't really like cutting up meat anyway <laughs> in the normal culinary program. So I went the baking route. Um, and I guess it's just progressive. You always have this dream. Like every chef has a dream to open the restaurant and every baker has a dream to open their bakery. And so it was just always on the radar, but I was married to a military man and we moved around every three years. So that was never really possible in that life. And I was raising two small children. So it wasn't until we, uh, my husband uh, retired from the Marine Corps and we decided to move back where his family was from, um, which is the Nashville area and just live a more simple life. So it was, it was just, you know, it was, he, he fulfilled all his dreams um, in the Marine Corps. And so it was kind of my turn to fulfill mine, which was opening a bakery. And so I, it, there was no like uh, conspiring to do it. It just kind of happened. It was just a natural progression. It was like, okay, I've, I've done all I could do working for somebody else. Now let's, let me give it a shot. Yeah. And so were you baking with your kids? I mean, in your home, it, it just passing on the tradition, is it something you just kept up with? And when you said working for someone else, were you still working in like hospitality or food while you were jumping from station to station or base to base for lack of, for lack of a better term? I don't know what you call it when you're in the military, but yeah. when you get relocated. Mm-hmm. Well, so um, when I did start having kids, I, I did give it up for a little bit working, you know, in restaurants and hotels. So I just started baking out of my home, baking for people. And it just became really successful everywhere we left. So I would, you know, start up my home-based business in the new town that we were stationed in. It would become very popular amongst the military spouses and then, you know, civilian sector. And, um, but then I'd have to pick up and move three years later, but, and then I kind of start all over again, everywhere we went and everywhere we went, I was very successful doing it. So I knew I had something. Um, and it wasn't until, uh, you know, we moved here. I did start it up out of the house as well, but everybody was like, you need to open a bakery. So, um, then became the hunt to find a space that I could afford and that wouldn't overwhelm me. I did want to start very small. And I did find a 588-square-foot uh, little place um, right off of, right right in the hub of Franklin. Um, and that kept us busy for um, three and a half years. Um, but it, we quickly outgrew it. Let me pause you for a second, um, because I think this is like one of those weird race of God things, like we don't realize, but your ability to almost... Like for your ability to almost reset and like each time you probably got better every three years or for example, every time you moved, you probably got a little bit better at your skill or you brought new things to you like, oh, if I have to do this all over again, this is how I would do it. Mm. And a little bit of that just human entrepreneurial ingenuity, particularly in food, because we do it, it's a tangible thing like the 10,000 hour thing is true in food. I 100% agree with it, especially being in it for almost three decades. And as my family's been over almost four decades, five decades uh, with me involved uh, or as a kid. 
And so it's like one of those things where it just compounds. And I, it's very interesting to me because I almost feel like you gain skills maybe from each place that you went, the confidence you needed, because you said it happened so organically, but also by the nature of having to move around, you had to reset and restart and get to know different areas of the world and, and what how they would react. I, I think that that's an interesting skill um, through exposure that you gain experience. And it's atypical, but it's, um, it's really awesome. And I think that the, I also want to just footnote this, and we can talk about it after we get through the story of opening the bakery. But I do want to talk about, like, the conversation between you and your husband of, of starting the bakery and what that was like, just because I feel like there maybe was a role change there. Cause you just got, you said specifically he did his dream. Now you're sort of following yours. So I just want to un- understand that. I think a lot of couples go through this. So, and the entrepreneurial world where the, the wife comes out with a, like all these skills she gained from moving around or being supportive or child raising. And then when they go off to college, there's this ingenuity that happens that can be profitable in the world. So I want to just footnote that. Sorry, I needed to get that out before I forgot it. So let's go back to the 500 plus square foot space in in Franklin that you outgrew within three and a half years. (laughs) Okay. I, um, I came upon this space. Um, it was like, you know, there was a sign in the window and I called on it and they said, Oh, I'm so sorry. Somebody just signed the lease. And I was devastated because to me, it was the perfect little place on a corner, two giant windows. Um, It couldn't have been better. It was in my price range. Um, I was kind of devastated because I had been searching and searching and searching. Um, And this just goes to show like good things come to those who wait because I paused and I, you know, didn't pursue the next thing like right away. I I paused and I I looked for signs um, and probably 25 days later, uh, another business owner downtown said, Elena, that space, they're trying to get a hold of you. The other lease fell through and there you go. I called and history and, you know, every square inch of that place was painted by me, my husband and my children. Um, every piece of furniture was <laughs> painstakingly brought in um, cases. We bought cases, you know, secondhand from Indiana and drove over there and picked them up, and brought them in. Everything was pretty much used, um, but it was mine. And, um, we didn't take out any loans for it. We had saved and, um, you know, made sure we weren't overextending our family because that's the most important thing is don't put anything at risk, um, as far as your family's concerned. So I knew I could walk away from it, you know, in six months if I had to, if it didn't work. Um, and that gave me peace of mind at night to sleep. That's, um, and so, you and you move into this is the first space you moved into, correct? Yes. Uh huh. Yes. Very cool. So, talk to me about launching the business. What was that first six months like? So, um, going into the first day, I I really I had this weird um, 
decision that I was just going to do everything, you know, that it would be fine. Um, I would bake everything and I would sell everything. It'd be like a cute little bakery you see on, in the movies. Um, but that was, um, you know, not realistic. And actually the first day we opened, I hired my first um, counter girl. And uh, so I had my counter girl and me. And then it just quickly, I would hire one more person. And I, and I never went searching for somebody. I They always appeared at my doorstep. You know, they always came in and said, are you hiring? And I was like, yes. Um, and it just happened naturally and organically. And I, I don't, I don't know if that's for everybody, but for me, I, I look for signs, like I said, and every person came to me. Um, and it was just, you know, kind of a fairy tale like that. Um, we did have, you know, lots of trial and errors in the beginning and, you know, some things I look back on, I'm like, what was I thinking? But that's all a learning process. And I wouldn't probably be here today without those learning curves. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you decide a menu like you're in Tennessee? Or how did I mean, did you go with the typical bakery menu, which I don't even know what that is? I wasn't in (laughs) the bakery space. So I was more in the food production, like hot food and we brought in things that could go in an oven very easily but so explain to me how this works and how because there's a lot of variety in baking and it seems to me like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of producing and a lot of baking going on in the ovens it's just a lot of skews to manage and for but maybe I don't understand so let's talk about how you design a menu and how you decide what items stay and what items go yeah so I think um, in opening a business here, I kind of looked around at my, um, you know, surrounding bakeries and they were very Southern driven, you know, pies and bars and um, things like that, that are very Southern in nature. And I kind of wanted to bring an elevated French influenced bakery to middle Tennessee area. So I kind of, um, you know, I had in the case, <laughs> very little in the case at the beginning, but looking back, but, um, you know, it was very, it was torts. It was little individual sized cakes that are glazed in ganache or, you know, um, Napoleons and cream puffs and all that kind of fancier, um, selections and, you know, morning pastries, all, everything from scratch, um, cinnamon rolls and, at that time I didn't do croissants, but, um, we did brioche and just a a more elevated pastry experience that I was seeing was lacking in the area. Yeah, I agree with that. And I just want to say this also, just from living in Tennessee for the last four months, um, and then traveling back and forth there for about, uh, two months prior to that, I see that the palate of Middle Tennessee, particularly around Nashville, there's a lot of food heightening going on in general, mm-hmm. baking, beverages, um, bars. And with the showtime element, you were talking about having entertainment in your background. Mm-hmm. I feel like in Nashville, like because there's this natural competition and showmanship also because of the Mm -hmm. the city that it's that we're in and and it's a growing and booming city and thus franklin is growing i i feel because it's a great suburb of nashville i like going down there it's like peaceful like it's 
you know, uh, yeah. downtown Franklin is pretty amazing, actually, like that downtown area. And it feels like, I don't know, it's an old town with like a new look and new shops yeah. and new restaurants and new um, people to spend money there. Um, and so um, I just want to anchor that just for everyone. Like Nashville is an area that's becoming hugely diverse in food especially in in international flair experiences i think there's a top uh someone on the food network i can't remember her name but she has three restaurants uh in uh tennessee i just heard and uh of indian uh, descent yes. and i can't remember her name but um and I would have should have been more prepared if I was going to bring that up. <laughs> no. I know, and I know her too. I've met her many times. She's been in the bakery. Um, yes, yeah, at the moment too. But yeah, yeah. she has amazing restaurants in the area. Yeah. And so, um, I think it's just just to anchor what's going on here. I feel like those the journey back to those steps that we we're talking about in the different cities and getting you prepared put you in a place to give an experience that. I feel is is probably pretty needed in the area, um, even though people didn't realize they wanted it yet. So it's pretty oh, cool. Sure. So let's talk about how did it go? You know, what what do you do from here? Like you're six months in, you're hiring, the business is growing, like mm-hmm. COVID, all of that type of stuff. How mm-hmm. did you how'd you deal with all of that? Yeah. Um, I think the most important thing is I um, hired, um, well, right now I have my, my right, right hand lady, um, Megan, she's my general manager and I hired her just as a baker back then. Um, but she has been with me, you know, for four years and really she's helped me go from a baker to a businesswoman because we were just kind of flying by the seat of our pants back then and taking as many orders as we could get and overworking ourselves and staying till 10 o'clock at night and, um, you know, taking orders over the phone and taking them over the email and taking them through Instagram. (laughs) And then, you know, which is set you up for disaster because we would get that, you know, person coming in on a Saturday morning for their child's birthday cake. And we're like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) So, um, (laughs) you know, setting, setting things in place so we don't have those situations was the most important thing. And then um, just getting organized, you know, you got to work smarter, not harder. That's our motto around here. And um, so when COVID hit, you know, of course, if everybody got thrown a curveball, um, but we just adjusted. A lot of people closed. We never closed one day for COVID. Um, we stayed very safe. We thankfully we since we were such a small space, um, we didn't allow anybody in the space. But we had a giant bay window out front, and we baked every day. Put everything out there in that front window, and if it couldn't go in the front window, like the things that were in the cold case, we would list them um, and put them up in the window. What kind of cakes we have available, and then we had a table at the front door where one person worked, and people would line up in front of the bakery, bring their kids, which was amazing because, you know, there was just nowhere to go for them to get a treat or have a semi good time, um, having an experience. So they would 
look in the window and get to choose that cookie they wanted. And, um, you know, we got it to them. We also did deliveries then, uh, local deliveries that my son was home from college. Um, so he was out there delivering all the food and, um, we never went down in sales surprisingly. Um, we just, it actually went up because, so what was your mindset? I mean, it takes not everyone's like keep their kept their restaurants open or their businesses open during COVID. What what went on in your mind? Were you trying to save jobs? Were you thinking that you already had this invested and had a momentum? You didn't want to lose it because I think it's important because I think so many people that I've interviewed on the podcast in particular recently that have successful businesses right now had to figure out how to make it through COVID. They, even if they were a restaurant or a business, they figured out ways to do it because otherwise they weren't going to survive. And I think it actually gave all of you an advantage who did so. Um, so um, I know it gave me an advantage. So yeah. I just want to talk about what was the mindset there? Why, what was your motivation, I guess, to keep going through the situation? Well, like you said, I mean, um, I wanted my staff to keep getting paid. Um, I certainly wanted the business not to fail. And I mean, I just go into, you know, creative mode. I, I, I didn't even think about closing the business. I would have been there by myself trying to <laughs> do everything if I had to. That's just not part of my nature to give up. Um, no, I just thought, well, it, uh, other people are getting creative. Let's get creative. Let's do this. I agree 100%. So when did you outgrow the other space and into your new space? And let's talk about the new space. Where is it located? Um, how did you find it? Like sort of how that transition happened? So I, you know, we grew out of that space after year one. I mean, it was let's face it, really small. Every time we needed to get a box for a cake, we'd have to go outside to this outdoor <laughs> closet and go get a box. It was just, it's funny thinking back to that. Um, but I reached out to a local realty business. Um, it was the Green Realty and Insurance. Um, they're the oldest business here in downtown Franklin because um, one, uh, one of the realtors was one of our customers. And I had talked to her about looking for a new space for us and, you know, they have been helping us sort of, they're just, the inventory was very low because um, there's quite a boom around here happening at that time. And people were buying up commercial property because it was low back then. Um, people were investing in middle Tennessee because it, that was the thing to do. So things in my price range were few and far between. Um, they would show me things, but I just couldn't even imagine paying that for rent. Um, and then Mr. Green, he was in his late nineties, he passed away and his family decided to dissolve the business and rent out the space, which happened to be this gorgeous house in the downtown Franklin district. It's one block off of main street. And his daughter, Leonora, came to me in the bakery and she's like, Elena, you know, I know you've been looking for a space and I just envision your bakery in there. Um, and I mean, I didn't even need to know 
how much it was. I mean, that's very important. But I, I was like, yes, I just said yes, because being it's all about location, right? So being one block off of the busiest street in downtown Franklin or in Franklin in general um, was everything. I mean, you, the foot traffic is ridiculous on a nice, beautiful day. So um, I quickly signed that lease. Um, and I knew it was a big leap of faith because it was probably four times the rent um, of our old space. But I knew, um, like, you know, like they always say, if you build it, they will come. I knew we would get the the customers if we opened up in that space. I love it. So, I mean, you had to build it into a bakery, right? So now you're managing a project like that, or I mean, what is, was that like? Because I mean, it I don't I can't imagine it had hoods and stuff in it to do your baked goods. So, well, thankfully we don't, you know, fry anything. We don't really saute anything, so we didn't need a hood. Um, we needed a a vent for the ovens, and so basically they just needed to drill a hole in the roof <laughs> and put a, a keep the integrity of the house it's a historic house so we really couldn't tear down any walls um we basically just conform the business to the house instead of the other way around so every room is still intact um we have a tea room where it would have been maybe you know the dining room of the house and the main room of the house is you know now our retail space um, you go down the hall and the bedroom on the left is now our baking room. The bedroom on the right is now our decorating room. The bedroom in the back is our dish room. And the porch on the back end is now our um, supply closet. So um, we really didn't do much. You know, there was, we refinished the floors. We hand painted everything ourselves, put up wallpaper, but again, I am frugal and I don't want to spend tons and tons of money where I don't have to. If it's charming and old, that's what I wanted in the first place. So why change it, you know? I agree. The And I think that if it fits your business and like I think it's part of now what's becoming probably people recognize it and they go there just for that. So like were you able to expand the menu then like, or whatever your offerings, um, as you moved yes. into a bigger space? So talk to me about that. Like, what is it that you offer? What is, what are all the things if someone comes to downtown Franklin, uh, to visit you, what can they expect to see now in your shop? Yeah. So we, um, went from five employees in our old location to now 26 employees. So we have a considerable, um, amount of help now um we had room to put in a dough sheeter so now we make handmade croissants um in all different flavors we have a rotating menu so you can get either you know one day you get a chocolate croissant or a everything bagel, bagel croissant or the next day will be a cinnamon roll croissant or an almond croissant um then we do you know scones and muffins and cookies and like like before, um, individual pastries, but now we have a huge variety of them. Um, you can walk in and get a specialty cake for any kind of occasion. Um, you don't need to place an order for one. We have about, you know, 15 to 20 in the case 
at all times. You can pick one out. We can write on it for you. There's um, a full tea house that uh, we serve tea. Uh, it's very casual tea, but um, you get, you know, the the tray with the teapot and the teacup and the little cookie on the side and your cream and sugar and stuff. So people like coming in for a little treat like that. Um, we do, you know, events. If you need a special cake for a wedding or a shower or multiple pastries for an event, we do that kind of thing as well. And then of course, all the holidays is just, you know, that times 20. <laughs> So like wedding cakes and stuff like that as well, because you mentioned birthday cakes and stuff like that. So all that type of stuff, people can like come there and get this. And it's like the uh, elevated experience that you're talking about. Especially on the weekends. Very Um, cool. Yeah. Now We kind of moved away from um, more special orders to now because our foot traffic is so high and the amount of people that come in is so high. And we, we have found where, where my business used to be, you know, especially when I was working on my house, all custom orders to now moving and making more, spending more time making more so that there's more cakes for more people instead of spending, you know, three hours on this one cake for the one person in those three hours, my decorators can, you know, pump out 20 cakes in that three hours. So yeah, the scalability thing. So Lena, let's go back to the decision to go into business where you were having the conversation where you're like my, we focused on my husband's career. He had accomplished what he wanted in the Marines. Now we were going to focus on, Uh, you becoming an entrepreneur Um, talk to me about how that happened did it have you mentioned organically what does that look like now because you mentioned your family's involved and your husband are they involved in the businesses what is that how's the entrepreneur sort of bug now made its way into your family I guess also to complete the conversation as a whole circle does that make sense yeah um so now we uh you know I'm sorry um, let's see, let me start that over. Uh, my husband is involved in the business um, in the way that he takes care of more of the financial side. I'm not that kind of person. I just want to be in the bakery and bake. I always say, you know, to my staff members, I just work here. I don't, <laughs> I'm not the boss. I don't like being the boss. Um, and so I let him deal with the you know, QuickBooks and the, all that. Um, and my daughter, while she doesn't have the baking bug, um, she does help out on the weekends at the bakery, which is nice. Um, my son um, has picked up the cooking bug. He is a, a chef at a, a, another local restaurant. So um, while he's going through college, which I love. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to do it long-term, but I think having a job in a kitchen, you know, gives you you great organizational skills and time management. And um, you learn a lot of lessons doing that. So I'm very proud of him doing that. Yeah. There's um, no slowing down. You got to get the food out the door to the people. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's all got to be coordinated for an entire table. Yeah. It's a, yes. one of those yeah. things. And he works in a very, you know, very busy restaurant. So 
I, I, I'm very proud of him that he can sustain that. So in, in your life, um, who has been your inspiration, your motivation, like what keeps you going every day now with the business? Like, like what every morning when you wake up, what keeps you going into quote unquote, the business you've created or the job you've created for yourself? You know, what is it that sort of, what do you enjoy the most about it? I guess also. Yeah, well, the inspiration, uh, I had two women who were very inspirational. Um, grandmothers were at first, but then my mom, she, you know, was, when I was raised in the 70s and 80s, you know, she was that um, generation where the women went back to work and they were successful career women. And she at one point started her own commercial carpet business and was running that successfully before um, you know, a series of events happened, but, um, you know, I watched her being a successful mother. Um, and then going to work, I worked in a restaurant in Orange County. Um, um, it was Zove's Bistro and Zove Carmelian was huge in my entrepreneurial, you know, uh, dreams because I could see her doing it and um, she was in that kitchen from sun up to sundown and um, just made it look easy um, to me so I think those two were my most inspirational and um, the thing that keeps me going every day is I mean literally I if I have a day off, I can't wait to get back in to the bakery just because I just love creating things. And I love people saying how wonderful it was. And I love making people happy. And I love um, creating an atmosphere of just joy and um, a place that people come to and create traditions with their kids and family. And, you know, they're always saying, every time my mom comes to town, we take her here. Or every time the kids deserve a treat we come here or um that's you know everything i mean i don't need any money i just need that to live off of i think that that's um that that's like uh ultimately like where we profit the most in life and then the money follows i i think that yes. i've heard a lot of people um say that yep. and um and i i think that um it's pretty incredible that you've found so much purpose in it and it's so anchoring for for you and your family and it's just like your kids are getting to see this reward and what hard work pays off for lack of a better mm -hmm. term and something you've worked on for so long has now become a dream and an entrepreneurial venture that's growing and becoming mm -hmm. more and more popular and um that's pretty cool. So how did you come up with the name Triple Crown uh, Bakery, just out of curiosity? I, like I said, I had my little epiphany while working on a horse ranch and used cakes and paint. That was kind of, you know, in describing my business, I would always say we were going to make cookies, cakes, and patients. Try the triple, the... So I just, you know, was thinking about what stands for excellence and always the triple crown stands for the best of the best. So, and I wanted to, you know, kind of have a, a little bit of a nod to my horse 
days and like some of the wallpaper in here has little horses in it and stuff and we've got old vintage horse show ribbons on the wall and it just you know I always say surround yourself with what makes you happy and horses always make me happy so <laughs> that's uh that's kind of how that came about I understand I grew up on a horse farm I, so it's Aww. like yeah hugely important I, my horse, like, from when I was a kid is still alive right now, actually. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He's, like, 39 years old. Uh, wow. Somewhere 41, 39, somewhere around there. So What's it's pretty name? incredible. Uh, boots. Oh, Boots. Yeah, Annie's Rainy Boots, full name. But he's a quarter horse. <laughs> Oh, so, perfect. Like, my aunt's been taking care of him and stuff. So it's pretty cool because oh, she enjoys so horses as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Gosh, this has been a cool story. I really have enjoyed it. Oh. Uh, when, um, what is, what are you hoping for the future? Um, wh- where are you hoping this goes? Like, are you hoping that your children uh, take it over one day? Or are you hoping, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I don't want to put pressure on them because I know what that's like. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. but it's, um, you know, I'm just curious from, from your, your point of view, like where, like, this is something that, you know, you could be doing for a long time. You're probably young, and we live a long time now, and it's pretty cool. So, I mean, where are you hoping this goes? I mean, you know, life is funny, and you never know what's going to happen. But um, I do hope that, you know, as over time, that I can take some little baby steps back, um, not work so many hours because I like I said I always tell the girls that I just work here and I feel like I do and and I love it but there is going to be a time when you know the back won't hold up anymore and the the feet won't either and my hands will be arthritic so I'll definitely need to take some steps back and hopefully someday the business can kind of run itself Um, we would love to open not a second second bakery, but expand the tea into like a tea house somewhere downtown here because um, people really love the experience and they almost want even more. They want to be able to make reservations. They want to be able to rent out the room. They want to be able to have a high tea and we would love to offer that. It just gets tricky when your room is only seats 15 people at the most. So that's something we're looking towards. Um, and just you know um learn from our mistakes in the past and um have it be a well-oiled machine that works and um you know maybe if my kids want it i doubt it but (laughs) um you know who knows what will happen you you never know this is i mean we talked to to bagel companies that were started like a hundred years ago and now the fourth generation kids are running it or expanding it into a world business or the hot dog Walter's hot dogs I just interviewed in New York who's like fourth generation has started to take it over and actually expanded it into gold belly and expanded you know one two shop one shop into four food trucks and one additional shop and growth on gold belly and in 39 supermarkets but it's interesting because the family really continue to hold on and build these businesses and utopia bagels like long term passing down like 
another story. Now they're worldwide through Gold Belly and a, a huge yeah. growing business in in another generation. So it's kind of right. cool that that stuff happens and it happens in food more than than we think. And it's you know everyone thinks that the third fourth generations ruin businesses. But that's that's not and it's not true in food necessarily because it's the opposite because Mm -hmm. what we just talked about with your son which is when we have to do it tangibly and we have to learn and you have to physically get something out to someone and they'll physically reject it if they don't like it like the rejection and the ability to learn and grow in integrity in your character in the food business Mm -hmm. is pretty large so I think there's that, and I think a lot of people fear the entitlement in food, but it's just, it's harder to happen when it's such hard work, especially if you grow up working in the business um, at any point in time. And I believe that children should learn the business by working in the business, so. Mm -hmm. um, Well, that was my hardest lesson to learn was the rejection, you know. You you pour your heart and soul into something, and then somebody's like, "Mm, I don't like it. that is what in the beginning would keep me up at night, just worrying about what this one person thought. Um, but, you know, I've gotten thicker skin now. <laughs> that is, that's me also. I, uh, I've, ex- I've had that experience, especially when I was younger and I had less experience and I was less confident mm-hmm. in my own skills. Um, and those, you know, there's always a layer of truth in all of that stuff. So I tried to hear it as much as possible without hearing the volume sometimes because the volume could be louder than the, the mm-hmm. message. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it was hard. And even recently, I've had to like re-put that into balance, you know, because, you know, as you try to figure things out or COVID happens and things get stressful, you know, those criticisms can, the noise can become that much louder because those individuals are so much more stressed in their life and their family life. And they're just looking for, um, an outlet and it's not necessarily you, they, you, there's a realistic thing they're trying to tell you, but the volume can be confusing and, Mm -hmm. um, it's hard not to be reactionary. And I know that that's what she said, which is like a thicker skin. It's just like, okay, like, what is this person going through? Um, what is the message that they're actually trying to tell me? And how do I fix this? Because if I can give them a better day or, or, or reverse what's ever going on with them emotionally by giving them a good food experience, because food does deliver that uh, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And, then you have a client or a customer for life. And that's the, you know, so many people get caught up in the rejection or the criticism that they don't realize that that's actually your greatest asset right there. If you can change that person's opinion and get the volume to turn down and turn into like a a positive energy versus the negative energy that's going on through Mm -hmm. food and bring some happiness to them and joy, I think, it's really a cool experience. So, um, I'm glad you shared that. Yeah. I think everybody goes through it. Yeah. So what is it, if, if you could share anything with any entrepreneurs out there or anyone trying to start a food business or, or a baking business or whatever business they're trying to start a beverage business, what is it that you would share with them? Um, I always, 
like to tell people, you know, it's a, it's not what you see in the movies. <laughs> a bake, you know, I'll I'll get a lot of little girls that be like, I want to own a bakery someday, and because I think the the facade is that we just, you know, happily baking all day, and you know, little birds are flying around us, and it's just everything's just great, and everybody loves everything you do, and you know, you shut, you turn off the lights at five and leave, and you know, it's no big deal, and. But it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, we um, are here late hours. Um, the phone calls are, you know, we get 50 phone calls a day, everybody wanting something from you. And when you turn them down, they're all, you know, n- not th- that happy with you. So there's, and there's a lot of um, just dealing with the public is, is challenging. Um, learn everything you can about the taxes and everything you can write off and everything you can write off and you know just there's so much to learn um but it's definitely very rewarding as well i mean don't get me wrong i'm in it for a reason and and the the pros are more than the cons but i always like to warn people that it's not everything it looks like it is you know the struggle at the beginning and the struggles that can sometimes happen throughout are are hard and growing pains are hard and mm-hmm. there's all those sorts of things and things can be stressful i agree i i <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart or whatever the no. term is and yes. um yeah. and it's not as as it looks yeah yeah <laughs> is what i want to say <laughs> and it, it is i uh, being an entrepreneur there's stress and there's wear and tear on the body and in in and, and i feel like we don't get to just turn off our days at 4 30 or 5 30 or whatever it is um Correct. and we choose it but at the same time we have to ha- find different balance in our lives we have to mm-hmm. concentrate a lot more on our health i feel like in our bodies and and balancing because it is a different wear and tear and stress level. Um, at least in my experience, it's just, you know, I, I being able that my phone is constantly going and it's taken a lot for me to even doing it for as many years as I've done it to actually be able to say, you know what, it's okay if I don't answer a phone or a text or an email about work for two hours and be present. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that takes a lot because we are making money and it's not like the business keeps making money sometimes without us. It does. But at the same time, we're still trying to run something and build something and make sure it's successful because it's a reflection of us. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's uh, something I don't know. You know, the character of the business is also sometimes a character of us. And that's why the criticisms of a business are also mm-hmm. we take it so personally. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, so where... I, I had to separate that, you know, a criticism of of something that was made in the bakery is not a criticism of my character and my personality. So I had to separate those two. Um, yeah. I, I've 100% been there, and that's it, exactly the way to describe it. Well, thank you. Elena for joining us and thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I hope that, you know, it helps somebody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'll definitely reach out. We'll get you back on maybe 
a couple of months from now, maybe explore that tea room thing because you've, you're putting it out there yeah. into the universe. I feel like it's going to yeah. come true here exactly. shortly. So mm-hmm. that's what I like to do. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thank you for your time and thank you for coming on the podcast and adjusting yesterday and to today. Um, I appreciate that as well. And of course. For the audience, uh, everyone listening in, I love you guys. I appreciate all of your support, all of you guys sharing and helping out entrepreneurs out there so they don't feel alone, particularly in the food space. There's way more of us than than we think there are. Um, if we were on a world scale and we voted, we could we would be the majority of the world in a vote for whoever we voted for. Um, so that's just telling you how many food entrepreneurs are out there in the world making a difference, creating jobs, having influence and affluence in the world and our true influencers, not just from social media, not just from posting, from really creating jobs, creating purpose for people, giving them jobs, just like we talked about a general manager now who started off as a baker and an assistant and now is running everything. Like these are the type of things we make dreams come true. Our dreams as entrepreneurs are often so big, they have to fit all the individuals that work within our businesses' dreams and their families' dreams in them. And that's what happens. And that's what I'm talking about in food. And what we also talked about that I want to just cement or anchor in this episode is that the tangible working, having the immediate feedback that you get in food, the criticism that is so harsh because it's something you work so hard on making meals, perfecting recipes, thinking you have good things going on, like, hey, everyone else likes it. But it's one of those things that because of these experiences, you gain life skills that regardless if you stay in food or stay in baking or stay in beverages or stay in bartending, whatever it ends up in hospitality, that constant feedback and ability to learn that separation that we talked about, that the criticism of the business is not a criticism of your character. Your character is your ability to be an entrepreneur and deal with the situation and find a solution for that client or customer that ultimately also fixes something in your business that the, the line of truth that you pull out of it that fixes something in your business that makes your business better. And without those experiences, you don't become a great business that people keep coming back to. You have to be pivoting. You have to be growing. So I appreciate it again, Elena, everything you said. Uh, and thank you for your time. Thank you. Where can they, what's your address and what's your social media? Um, our address is 118. Fourth Avenue North um, in downtown Franklin. Uh, like I said, we're one block off of Main Street, so we're pretty easy to find in a big greenhouse. You can um, look at our website at www.triplecrownbakery.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook under Triple Crown Bakery. Awesome. Thank you. And if you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. And you can listen to us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And we're out.